Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Eliza Knight and Lori Ann Bailey. Today I'm going to be sharing with you a bit of history about the women rebels during the Jacobite Rebellion in Scotland. We're excited to share, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the fast. All right, Eliza, so what are you drinking today? Alrighty, I've got something really interesting and I'm actually surprised that I'm enjoying it. It's called the Fabulist. Yeah, I'm surprised I'm enjoying it for two reasons. One, the label is a coiled snake, and I hate snakes, so yeah. that was a little bit of a turnoff for me. <laughs> and the second reason is it's a Merlot, and I don't normally drink Merlot, but um, the woman at the wine shop said if I liked Cab, that I would probably like this because she said it reminded her of a Cab. Okay. So far, it seems like it's pretty great. I do want to read something on the back, though, because... I think it's a really good little saying. So it says, Life's road may wind unfairly and serpents may lie in wait for do-gooders and villains alike. But the fabulist believes good deeds deserve reward and will always offer grateful grapes to worthy wanderers. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of makes up for the snake. It does. (laughs) What are you drinking? Some fun wordplay there. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I, surprise, surprise... I'm drinking a Josh Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, and we love Josh. (laughs) We do. And this is one that is aged in bourbon barrels. Oh, I love that. And I I picked out this one because Josh is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about Scotland today. And that's one of my favorite things. So I thought they would pair together very well. Pair our two favorite things. I love that. Yes. (laughs) So I'm going to dive right into this fun bit of history. Are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. I can't wait to hear about this. Yay. Good. So we hear a lot about the men who fought in the Jacobite Rebellion, most notably the warriors who died on Culloden Battlefield during the uprising in 1745. But what we don't hear much about are the women who contributed. So today I really wanted to touch on several of the women who inspired me during my research to write one of my series and their exploits. These women raised troops, collected funds and weapons for the rebels, fought in battles, aided men in escaping the wrath of their enemies, risked their lives to deliver messages and to help heal the wounded. I am so excited to hear about these women. And it was hard to be women back in olden days. Yeah, it was. And to accomplish those things is pretty amazing, especially, you know, when women had more limitations than men. I agree. And then they really did do some amazing things. Before I dive in uh, to the history of the women rebels during this time period, I wanted to also just give a quick little bit of uh, info on what the Jacobite Rebellion actually was for anyone who doesn't know. That's a great idea. So the Jacobite era of Great Britain's history is the last civil war fought on the United soils of Scotland and England ultimately coming to rest in a rather tragic ending for many and consisted of several uprisings from 1689 to 1745. First, a fun fact. Jacobite means supporter of James. Now, James VII of Scotland, also known as James II of England, because there were different kings 
in both countries because they weren't always united. So strangely enough, it would be the same person with a different number. <laughs> um, because I found that very confusing for a while, but it is so confusing. But yeah, once you know, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things. Exactly. Now we're all in the know. So we are. <laughs> This particular James <laughs> was the last Catholic monarch to reign over England, Scotland, and Ireland. And throughout the many reigns, there has been a lot of religious contention between Catholics and Protestants. But that's like a totally another topic for another podcast. Oh, it sure it sure is. It's, that's a, a big deal. It really is. And it caused a lot of strife. Mm -hmm. So how it relates here is that James the seventh or second, wherever you live, was overthrown by his Protestant son-in-law, uh, William of Orange, and he was forced into exile after the birth of his heir, Prince James. Another James. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone Another was James. James. Everyone was James. More, con <laughs> more confusion. Yes. <laughs> Let's throw it in there. Yes, exactly. So thus the first of the re rebellions began in 1689 to bring James, the father, back to the throne, but it failed and he passed away in 1701. But that didn't mean that the rebellion was over. Now that James's supporters were rallying against his son, James, believing him to be the rightful heir. And they led uprisings in 1708, 1715 and 1719. And again, they did all of that with no luck. Yeah. In 1720, James VIII, or the third, had a son and thankfully named him Charles Edward Stewart. So no more James. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you, James. <laughs> Affectionately, he was known as Bonnie Prince Charlie, as well as the young pretender. His father was dubbed the old pretender because people... Again, depending on where you yeah, live. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> In 1745... Bonnie Prince Charlie staged a rebellion on his father's behalf in order to put him back on the throne. This failed in a massive massacre known as the Battle of Culloden, um, which the battlefield in Scotland, you can still visit it today. It's a massive graveyard with stones etched with different clan names for where they fell. And it's a very, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but when you go, it feels very heavy when you're there. Um, you can kind it's of- It's very somber. Yeah, very somber. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there. It's really interesting. A lot of people think of the Jacobite rebellions as being a battle between English and Scottish people, when at the heart of the matter, it really was just about religion. However, William of Orange was English and Dutch, and most of the battles for the throne took place in Scotland. So it's easily confused as being like an English versus Scottish thing, though there were allies and enemies on both sides. William of Orange's men wore the red livery of the Dragoons. And really, this could be its own podcast. So I'm going to dive into the women now. But Yay, you get the women. gist of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bring on the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so Lady Anne Farkas. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's like Farkerharson. Farkerson? It's a very it's, unfortunate last it name. It is a very, very unfortunate, unfortunate name. Very unfortunate. <laughs> But Macintosh is at the end of that. So we'll go with Lady Anne Macintosh. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> Anne raised an army of several hundred men to fight for the Jacobite cause. Her men called her Colonel Anne, though the title was unofficial. Hmm. Yeah. While Prince Charles was staying at her castle, Redcoats started to converge on them. She set up a ploy to scare them off with only a few men making enough noise with their guns and battle cries that the government soldiers were scared into thinking they might face an entire Jacobite army and they ran away. 
You know, that's awesome. I think women just come up with these they great do. ideas that men would right. never think of. But then we'll be like, all right, we're just going to fight and we're all going to die. And the ladies are like, how about we just pretend we're a giant army and scare them away? Lives are saved. Yeah. <laughs> so smart. It is. She was pretty awesome. So the next heroine I want to talk about is Jean or Jenny Cameron. Uh, Jenny acted as her brother John's agent much of the time due to a disability that he suffered from. And she often dressed as a man when she was taking up his mantle. When it came time to raise Jacobite troops for their clan, this responsibility fell to her. Jenny was present at Glenfinnan on August 19th, 1745, when Bonnie Prince Charlie raised his standard, declaring that he was going to fight for his rightful place on the throne. Way to go, Jenny. Yeah, for real. In your pants. Uh Jenny in her pants. (laughs) And, you know, just being like, okay, got to help my brother, got to help my people. I'm in it. In it for the win. That's awesome. Yeah. The next woman is Lady Margaret Ogilvie. She refused to stay home and used her husband's spare horse to join the Jacobite army on campaign and a recruiting sergeant. After being arrested by Redcoats, Margaret convinced a laundress to switch clothes with her. She mimicked the old woman's gait and walked right past the guards to freedom. <laughs> what, I, what did I say? Women are yes, so smart. Exactly. Now, I wonder what happened to the poor laundress who switched clothes yeah. with her. I hope she didn't get in trouble. I wonder about that, too, and if or if she ended up having to stay in jail. <laughs> Yeah. They didn't. Well, I mean, maybe maybe she maybe it was pretty easy to walk away. I don't know, but maybe or maybe she was able to like go, Margaret. go go to the other laundry and change clothes. Yeah. Yeah, she probably had more hidden away. Hopefully. The next person is Anne McKay. When the seller of the house, the seller as in like the basement, of the house Anne was boarding with in Inverness was used to imprison a key injured Jacobite uh, soldier and some of his comrades. She acted as a messenger and nurse for them, bringing them food and medicine as well as treating their wounds. Anne aided the Jacobite members in hatching and implementing an escape plan, along with Lady Anne McIntosh, who we met earlier. Mm -hmm. And when their escape was discovered, she was interrogated, AKA tortured for several days followed by several weeks of imprisonment when she never broke. Oh, that's awful. It but is great awful. job on her for never breaking yep. because I couldn't do that. I don't think I could either, to be honest. Yeah. And also I hate... You have to be a strong person. You do. I hate that they do torture anyway because I think there's so many false uh, confessions because people just want it to stop. They're like, I'll yeah, tell you whatever that. you want just I, to make it stop. I would tell, I would tell, you know, yeah. you, you wouldn't even have to touch me. If nope. You just threaten me with something and I tell you <laughs> everything like, you want to know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Bye. <laughs> I try to run away. Uh, the next person is another Anne. And this one is named Anne Leith. After the Battle of Colden was over, Anne, along with a friend and her maidservant, Epi, collected bandages and other first aid equipment to help the wounded on the battlefield. She continued to do this for several weeks and months following. The notoriously cruel Captain Eyre centered his ire on Anne after it came to his attention that she was aiding prisoners and protesting their inhumane treatment. He arrested her by the point of his bayonet, but she was able to talk her way out of any punishment. Yeah. As well as the next several times she was also arrested. (laughs) Good for you, Anne. Yes. And also, thanks for helping out, Epi. That reminds me of an Epi pen that helps you when you're... <laughs> it does. <laughs> when you're having a reaction. I wonder, so. yeah. I guess it wouldn't have been named after her because that's it an It would not have pen, been named after her. It's but still it's just good. A, 
a cool coincidence. It is a cool coincidence. Plus, I love how they were so brave to like go out on the battlefield to try to save people. One thing I didn't mention yes. was that after the battle, the I want to say the British Army, but it was really just like the government's army um, mm-hmm. was going out and executing any of the survivors left on the field. Yikes. Yeah. Pretty horrible. It is horrible. So War is a bad thing. It is. It is. Lady Winifred Maxwell is our next um, heroine of the day. When her husband was imprisoned, I love this story so much, by the way. When her husband was imprisoned in the Tower of London, Winifred devised a plan to help in his escape. Part of this plan included luring the guards with drinking money, confusing them with coming and going from the cell with several of her maids and friends, along with dressing her husband as a woman. (laughs) So Winifred entered the tower with hidden extra set of women's clothes. She shaved her husband's face and kept up a loud conversation with herself. When it came time to leave, the guards paid little attention and she was able to walk him out of the prison in disguise. Such smart women. It's Here we go again. Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I guess I would definitely come up with some ideas like that. I just don't know if I could pull it off. <laughs> it's also very terrifying. Yeah, very. Because she, they could have been captured and executed just for yeah, trying. Yeah, and then she could have been tortured. Yep. Flora McDonald is our next lady. When the prince and his entourage landed in the Hebrides Isles after the Battle of Culloden, Flora hid them in her house. She hatched a plan to aid the prince in escaping the relentlessly searching government troops. She disguised the prince as a woman again, all these all these disguises. Yes. And she named him Betty Burke, one of as one of her maidservants. Then she arranged for him to sail to the Isle of Skye. And fun fact, the Skyboat song is written about this journey, if you haven't heard it. Oh, so there are two things I did not know in that Yay. story. I mean, I knew that uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie had been disguised as a woman, but I didn't know his name was Betty Burke. <laughs> it's kind of a fun name, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And also, now I want to go listen to that song. I love that song. And look at it from a different point of view. Yeah. I, I've never picked up on that. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Barbara Strait. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. It's either Strayan or Strachan. Straighten? Either way works for me. Well, Barbara, we'll call her, (laughs) was a postmistress whose job it was to travel around the countryside. Doing so made passing on messages and information to Jacobite rebels quite easy. As a postmistress traveling extensively, Barbara was able to take in the activities and troop movements of the Redcoats, which she could then share with her fellow Jacobite rebels. So that's pretty brave of her. (laughs) Basically, she was a spy, I think. Yeah. So this is it for the select uh, women that I chose to share with you today that helped out in the rebellion. But before we end this episode, I wanted to leave you with a fun fact because we love fun facts. Yes, fun. (laughs) Love these fun facts. So this fun fact might just be a fake fact, but it's still fun. So there's an interesting rumor that the Christmas Carol, O Come All You Faithful, was in fact a Jacobite call to arms. And that the line, come and behold him, born the king of angels, was code for come and behold him, born the king of the English. Um, Oh my god, I have chills. (laughs) And that's like one of my favorite holiday songs. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the king of the English, just uh, the born the king of the English, um, they were referring obviously to Bonnie Prince Charlie. So 
Allegedly, the Latin verse was actually a celebration of the prince's birth rather than of Jesus. And I hope that no one hates me for saying that. And Mm -hmm. all connotation of which was lost when it was translated um, in the 19th century. Uh, Learning that his people were nicknamed angels, it seemed like a fun theme to incorporate into my own series, which I titled Prince Charlie's Angels. (laughs) Just an interesting thing there. That is really great the way you came up with that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Whether whether the song was about Prince Charlie or about Jesus, it's a great song. It is a great song. I love that song. Yeah. We can sing it both ways. And you can ways. look at it the way you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so that's it for my my rebels sharing today. So I hope you Yay, liked it. <laughs> I loved your rebel women. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! But I would like to know, Eliza, what are you reading right now? All right. So I started this book a long time ago, and I had only gotten through about half of it because then I had to read other things for work. But I'm picking it back up again. And it is The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolles. I think that's how you say it. I can't wait to hear what you think of it because I have it, but I have not started it. Okay. So I'll read to you a little bit about the back. So the best-selling author of Gentlemen in Moscow and Rules of Civility, but I loved Rules of Civility, by the way, and mm-hmm. uh, a master of, of absorbing sophisticated fiction returns with a stylish and propulsive novel set in 1950s America. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure I was going to like this because I'm not usually into books like that, mm-hmm. but I actually found it to be super fascinating, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you why, but I really loved it. So. In June of 1954, 18-year-old Emmett Watson is driven home to Nebraska by the warden of the juvenile work farm, where he has just served 15 months for involuntary manslaughter. His mother long gone, his father recently deceased, and the family farm foreclosed upon by the bank, Emmett's intention is to pick up his 8-year-old brother Billy and head to California where they can start their lives anew. But when the warden drives away, Emmett discovers that two friends from the work farm have hidden themselves in the trunk of the warden's car. Ooh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> Together, they have hatched an altogether different plan for Emmett's future, one that will take them all on a fateful journey in the opposite direction to the city of mm. New York. Spanning just 10 days and told from multiple points of view, this third novel in Tolle's library will satisfy fans of his multi-layered literary styling while providing them an array of new and richly imagined settings, characters, and themes. So as I've only read half of it, I can't tell you. Uh, completely whether or not I love this book, but I do love it so far. I think the thing I like is I'm always one for like an adventure story. And this so Mm -hmm. far, like it's got a road trip and there's a lot of things happening, but there's also a lot of not great things happening. And so I want to, you're trying to figure out like, oh gosh, how are they going to get out of this situation? 
And I also like to root for the little guy. And even though Emmett Watson was put into jail for involuntary manslaughter, it's obvious he's actually a good person. And his brother, the little boy, is hilarious and really smart and and funny. Like, I just really like the characters, I think. So I've enjoyed following their story. Yeah. Ah, well, I'm definitely going to pick that one up when you're done with it. (laughs) Yes. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's a huge book. It's So it's a little intimidating. It definitely is. And that's why I've only read I've heard other great things. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't wait to finish it. Well, why don't you tell us about one of the books you've written? Okay. I am happy to share. And um, (laughs) since I was talking about the female rebels, I thought that I would share today um, one of the books from my Prince Charlie's Angel series. It's actually the first book, The Rebel Wears Plaid. And in this series, though it is a romance series, all of the women are based on real female rebels from the time just because mm-hmm. they were so fascinating. And I just wanted to pay homage to like how great they were and give them a little bit of a happy ending since that era was not a happy time. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Thank you. So it says on the back... I guess I say on the back, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) a sweeping action-packed Scottish historical romance filled with adventure, history, and longing. When Highlander Torin Fraser encounters a mysterious rebel for the prince, he can't resist being recruited to her cause. Torin Fraser is hell-bent on taking down the Jacobites. On a late-night mission, he's intercepted by a woman known only as Mistress Jay. She's determined to put Prince Charlie back on the throne of Scotland. Torin can't resist her appeal, especially with her pistol pointed at his heart and suddenly finds himself joining the rebellion. By day, highborn Jenny McIntosh runs her estate in the Highlands. By night, she's one of Prince Charlie's angels, a band of Jacobite rebels. Scoffing at mortal danger, she raises coin, delivers weapons, and recruits soldiers for the rebellion. When she encounters a handsome Highlander who is clearly on the run, she is more than a little intrigued. She isn't expecting to be his enemy. Jenny's story has a flavor of the lives of Lady Mac- Anne McIntosh, Jenny Cameron, mm-hmm. Lady Margaret Ogilvy, um, all of those ladies that I chatted about earlier today. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Well, this is a very intriguing story. And I technically, Thank I have you. this on my bookshelf back Ooh, here. I, I, well, I'm pointing. You guys can't see that. But <laughs> I have it on my bookshelf. And maybe I will pick that one up before I pick up the Lincoln Highway. Oh. Because I still need to read it. Thank you. Well, you'll have to let me know what you think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Everybody else should pick up a copy too, Woo-hoo. by the way. Yes. So we hope you enjoyed today's happy hour chat about female Jacobite rebels. Coming up, we have guest authors Christine Wells and, and Allison Stewart, along with happy hour chats about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre and the dancing duo Fred and Adele Astaire. Yay. Okay, bye. Bye. See you next time. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at History BKS Wine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers. And happy reading. The first
first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes, and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout. And it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed.